Good morning. So right now I have to say this feels a little bit like my wedding day. <laughs> Where I remember turning the corner and looking down the aisle and feeling so overwhelmed to the point of tears. And then if you've heard the story of our wedding from John, that quickly turned to laughing at the most inopportune moments for the rest of the day. So that's kind of, that's what I do. <laughs> I laugh at really inappropriate times. So whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I um, am so grateful and thrilled to be here this morning. Um, you know, you know that the topic today is fear and self-doubt. And, and to be honest, in my history, you know, as Diane said, um, I have worked as a counselor for years. Before I was a professional counselor, I worked in youth ministry through a number of different churches and organizations and camps. And, you know, that children and adolescents have been my heart. Um, but I do that in small groups. <laughs> so when I think of fear, this is one of those things that is a little, this is like way outside my uh, comfort zone. Um, so because of that, today I am considering this like the world's biggest small group. <laughs> so that is why you, there is paper on the end of the aisle. So before we get too far, I just want to make sure there's paper on the, in the inside of the rows here. If we can pass that down and just make sure everybody has a piece. This is the um, school counselor in me. We're going to make sure everyone has their tools prepared before we go further. So um, make sure we have extra paper up here. So kind of throw your hand up if there's not enough. Hand them back and forth a little bit. Um, And the other thing you're going to want is something to write with. So I am making a huge assumption, because this was a little bit last minute. Um, I added this at the last moment. There are some pens in the pews, and I'm assuming there are enough women with big enough purses to um, share writing utensils. So <laughs> I felt like that was a relatively safe assumption this morning. That one wasn't way out there. All right, so as soon as everyone has what they need... Um, all right. Everybody has paper? Okay. All right. Um, so, uh, like I said, I'm just uh, totally grateful to be here this morning. Um, John and I have been very, very blessed to be a part of this church for almost 14 years. It'll be 14 years in September. Um, at the, when we first came here, um, we had been only married a year. Um, I still remember we, anyway, the story of how we came here is another long story, but um, when the opportunity came up, we decided we were going to sneak in and check out the church first. Um, and so we came in and we sat right about there and we just kind of watched. <laughs> we had both been in various types of Christian ministry for a long time. We had both been a part of different churches. Um, and we wanted to kind of check things out before we got in too far. And to be honest, we left here and we said, no way. But I also said I'd never marry a pastor. And, um, and that happened. Though I didn't marry a pastor. I married an environmental scientist. And he then became a pastor. So, so it's a little different. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, you know that, that's the way it goes. So, uh, but in many ways, it feels like we have grown up in our marriage and in our young adult 
and now maybe officially adult lives at this church. Um, and I feel like this community has surrounded us and encouraged us in ways um, beyond description. And so um, I am so thankful for this community. So, so thankful. Um, so, all right. So when I was first trying to figure out what I was going to talk about today, um, I, I thought about my story and I thought about kind of ways God's worked in my life. And, and then I kind of got bored with that. Um, but then I realized that, um, I realized a few things that we'll get into later. Um, my first struggle was that at the moment, I find it very hard, as you can tell, to actually complete a sentence and turn it into a coherent thought. So if you have ever been in one of my small groups, you know I'm a think out loud person, so you're gonna kinda ha have to roll with me. I did my best to be organized this morning. <laughs> But I kind of think out loud, um, and, and that's how we get places. But um, So I'm going to do my best to have a cohesive, uh, a cohesive process here. Um, but a lot of my thoughts kind of reverted to, okay, what have I done? What roles have I had? Um, and even this morning, Diane asked me, you know, what, you know, what, I'm going to introduce you. What should I say? And I found myself stumbling over my words. And I think um, for me, a lot of that is that so much of my life, mentally, I have focused on what I do. I have focused on what is my what role here. So I went to college here, then, and I volunteered and I did this and that when I was there. Then I went to graduate school here, and I worked at this job in between, and I did this and I did that and I did this, and this was my role here. And, and for me, that is a place I've gotten a little bit stuck. I, some of you, my guesses are incredible journalers. Um, in college, I tried to journal and it, it kind of went like this. I woke up today. <laughs> then I had breakfast. <laughs> then I walked out the door. Like it was, it, it, it looked like a medical log. It was like this happened at 9.02 and then this happened at 9.04. Like that, that's where I was stuck. So I now have, um, and a bunch of, I, I went to Gordon and I, that's what God needed for me at that time. God put me there. But um, there were a lot of my friends around me that were big into journaling and reflection, and, um, and I really tried. <laughs> I really tried. And what I have to show for that now are about five or six journals that have five to ten pages of medical logs, and the rest is blank. Like, it, it, I couldn't do it. I really had a difficult time. Um, so... All right, so that being said, um, you know, I, I thought this idea of this fear and self-doubt popped in for me um, because I think as I look at my journey, and I'll talk a little bit in a bit about when I came to faith because I think that's important, but my journey has been about dealing with my emotional self um, and dealing with the role that fear has played in my life and the level at which it has prevented me at times from truly seeing and embracing God for who he is. Not who I want him to be, not who I think he should be, not who the world tells me he is, but who God is. And I think these are so connected. So that said, I, okay, now you can take out your papers. Papers and pencils, people. Um, here's what we're gonna make together. I want you to draw a circle and we're going to make a pie chart <laughs> together. <laughs> My math friends will like that. <laughs> 
All right, so you need a circle with six sections in the middle. So a circle and pretend you cut it into six slices of a pie. That's the shape we're gonna take. So you're gonna end up with six kind of pie pieces in there. All right. Yes, help me out. I had to cut the quiche this morning into six pieces. <laughs> <laughs> you take a circle, you cut it in half, and then make an X across. So <laughs> Sue's helping us with her quiche cutting method. You do a half and a half and a half. There we go. A half and an X. <laughs> I'm not grading you on this, so this is truly no pressure. If you have six sections in there somewhere, you're good. Um, all right, so in one section, I want you to write spiritual. In the next section, physical. The next section, emotional. The next, psychological. Physical, did we do physical already? Oh, we did. Intellectual. Oh, am I missing one? I'm missing one. Um, right, I did physical twice accidentally. I left one piece of paper in my bag, so I didn't have my... Social, I think, is what it is. Yeah, I think it's social. All right, so we'll go with that. Um, that won't make or break the meaning of this, so I'm not worried about it. <laughs> big picture, big picture. Okay, so this is what happens when you invite a licensed therapist to come and talk with you, first of all. Um, <laughs> one of our, um, early in our marriage, one of the deals we had to make was that I couldn't do secret therapy on John. So I'm not making this a secret. And it was, I didn't think it was a secret, but apparently he thought I was being covert about something. But, um, <laughs> so I'm just putting it out there. This might feel like a little bit of therapy this morning. <laughs> um, all right. So these are basically, if you look at um, life, these are all different parts of who we are. Right? So most parts of who we are fall into one of these categories. And, we, and each of these parts is vitally important because that's how God created us. God created us this way. And I, um, in Mark 12, we are told that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Those four are embedded in in those, the, the first um, six parts of ourselves that I gave you. And that, um, so I want you to put that on there too. Put, add, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and just kind of write however you want to do it. It doesn't matter. Um, this is, God has called us to be whole people. God has equipped us with all these different parts of ourselves. What I think often happens, and what I did in my life, is that we start to prioritize um, and value more certain parts of ourselves than others. For me, the emotional, psychological part, regardless of the fact that this is what I studied for, you know, seven years of my life and what I have 
done continuing education about for 15 years since. That is a part for me that I valued when helping other people and devalued when I looked at myself. Um, all of us are going to fall differently in this. So we'll talk about that later. So for me, a, a big part of my emotional and spiritual journey was realizing that. Realizing that I had a whole part of myself that I was neglecting. Um, and that I was not um, honoring God with in my life. And it was preventing me from fully understanding God's love for me and what he did for me um, you know, through his death on the cross. Um, I have found um, that looking inward and looking at some of these dynamics for myself has been a very, had a very important role in being a healthy individual, um, spiritually above all else, but it physically, intellectually, emotionally, all of it. Um, I finally started to find some peace and freedom in my fear and self-doubt, which was pervasive in my life and crippling at times when I could look at God first and when I could acknowledge that this part of myself wasn't bad. <laughs> I, I, um, I'll get into some of that later, but growing up, I, I was kind of, it was like, oh, why does Clancy worry so much? She worries a lot. <laughs> She's like, oh, it's the, it was always there. And I found peace and freedom when I could say, wait a minute, I worry a lot, and, that, and that's part of how God created me. And I need to look at that in the context of a lot of other parts of who God created me to be. But I, I can't deny it, and I can't pretend it's not there. Um, I was, I, was um, I think, part of, I, I would describe myself as having an anxious personality. Part of having an anxious personality, if any of you relate with me, is that you kind of want to control things so that you're comfortable. Anybody with me? I hear chuckles and laughs, and I see people going like this. And Yeah, so that's what we do, right? So we want to control things because then we feel better because we have decided... <laughs> what is in place where and what happens when, and we've dictated that, and that feels better to us. Um, so, you know, I was joking about this with a friend, an old, old-time friend from back in college yesterday over coffee, and we looked at each other. She's wired the same way. We were like, we kind of suck at being God. And that is, was our, we were like, if we take anything from this conversation today, and as we really stink at being God, and it doesn't work well. And we need, the, the sooner we can really live that way, the better we're going to be, and everyone around us. But, um, all right, so um, I guess peace and freedom, the one thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to look at, um, we're going to look at Peter's life here a little bit, is that um, peace and freedom come when we allow God to come first, and rest in the reality of what that means. Um, Beth Moore put it in one of her studies. My small group a number of years ago did Beth Moore's Believe in God study. Um, and she talks about this idea of, do we believe in God? Which is kind of simple. There's a God out there that exists. He's there. He created stuff. I can accept that. But, or do we really believe God? And, and this whole study delves into the various areas where we might believe in God, but we might struggle to truly believe that God is who he says he is and has created us in the way the Bible says he created us. Um, and if we're willing, I encourage you to ask that question. In our lives right now, are we, do we just kind of believe in God and that's nice? Or do we truly believe God? And it is a big difference. 
believing God for who we are in all parts of ourselves really requires a deep faith and trust. And I think for a lot of us, that's where we get stuck. What is trust and faith involved for us? What pitfalls do we get stuck in based on our personality, our temperament, our life experiences? Um, Hebrews 11.1, 1, interestingly, um, before I, I would, would say that I truly met Jesus was the first verse I remember memorizing. And I'll be honest, it was because I was bored in Sunday school and it was on a poster on the wall. I was in like fifth or sixth grade and I, it was, I was totally bored and there was this poster that had Hebrews 11.1, 1, which says, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. One of my greatest fears is what I do not see. It's the unknown. If I don't know what it is, then I can't control it. I can't plan for it. I can't direct it. And that is scary to me. Uh, but that's where God meets me. Because if I believe God is who he says he is, I believe that God is over all of that and that he's got it taken care of. And I don't have to. And that's where freedom comes in. Um, so, how are we doing on time? Okay, so real quick, when we're faced with fear in our culture, and we're gonna, get, we're gonna go big, small group now, um, what does our culture tell us to do with fear? When we're afraid, when we feel like we're not good enough, when we feel inadequate, um, what are some of the messages we hear from the world around us about what to do about that? Buy something? All right, shout it out. Run, run, run away. <laughs> run away. What was that in the back? Lose weight. Lose weight. All right. And if you're, if you're trying to lose weight, what does the world tell you to do? Try harder, right? <laughs> if you're, I want to lose weight. Okay, just try harder. All right. Eat hamburgers. Eat hamburgers. Sure. There you go. <laughs> All right. What other things? Drink alcohol. Drink alcohol. Right. Yeah, and that's a, yeah. Make the pain go away. Self-help books. Yes. Read another book and everything will be okay. Just find that one book that you haven't read yet and that'll make a difference. Medication. Medication. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was that? Sleep. sleep. Yeah, sleep. So, eat chocolate. eat chocolate. Now, in and of themselves, none of these things are necessarily bad. Taken to an extreme, they all are a little bit tough. So our world sends us a lot of different messages about how to deal with our self-doubt, our fear, um, but the reality is when we know God for who God is, and we grow in our trust and faith in who God is, um, that's where we look first. And some of those other things might happen too. It's, you know, so I run to de-stress, and, and that helps. But I'm not just looking to running to deal with it. I'm doing running along with other things. Um, so we're going to look at a few. Um, as I was preparing for this, um, I read a passage about um, the, the disciple Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, that literally hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, and that led me to looking more at other parts of Peter's life and his experiences and how he dealt with um, barriers in himself to truly have faith and trust Jesus. And Jesus was right in front of him, right there. Um, so we're going to look at three uh, experiences in Peter's life this morning to kind of think about three different ways that we can respond. Um, and, and in some ways, three different ways we can lose sight of the hope we have in the gospel of Jesus um, 
when we're confronted with our fear and our self-doubt. All right, so I have asked three willing participants to um, read scripture, just so you have a break from hearing me talk. Um, So I think Kelly has the first one. such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. All right, so here we see um, Peter being... Um, now, before this, if you look earlier in Luke's account, we see that Peter has, has seen... Um, his mother-in-law healed miraculously. Um, he has also, um, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll hold off on that. I'm looking at the time now. All right. Um, so he had seen his mother-in-law very ill. He had seen Jesus working. He had been hearing Jesus teaching. Jesus was not new to Peter at this point in time. Um, the, the story, Luke tells us that uh, Jesus comes to the shore of the lake now, if, if you notice, and I encourage you to look in the Bibles in front of you. We're in um, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Look them up. Yeah, we're, we'll kick it old school with Bibles in the pew racks. That doesn't happen anymore. Or your phone. Feel free. Bibles on the phones. Go for it. Um, so we see Jesus coming to the lake. We, we read that Peter and his co-fishermen, his co-workers, had already been out all night. They were exhausted. They were tired. They were bringing in the boats and equipment, and they were washing it and cleaning it to put it away for the day. Um, And then Jesus says, hey, let's go back out. And they're like, okay. So they they go back out on the water, and then when they get out on the water, Jesus says, put out the nets. Put out the nets. Um, So note Peter's response. He says, master, which is a term of respect, but then he says, We have been trying that all night. We already tried. (laughs) We already tried, and it hasn't worked, but I'll do it if you tell me, right? So you kind of hear Peter is respecting God, using this phrase master, but then he's saying, 
Jesus, I have, I have been there, done that, and it hasn't worked. But if you tell me to, I will. So they um, dump the nets out. There is, you know, there are tons of fish we read. Suddenly the nets are breaking. They're calling friends in to um, deal with the huge catch of fish that they have found. Um, and what does Peter do? Peter, in the midst of this, we don't know when, but I kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of a visual person, so I like to picture it right in the middle. Nets are breaking, boats are coming, people are helping, they're trying to deal with all the fish, there's all this chaos, and Peter falls down and says, depart from me, Lord, for I am sinful. I am sinful. Depart from me, Lord. Um, and, And I picture him, again, this is my visual, I picture him just falling on his face, covering himself, kind of prostrate a little bit at Jesus's knees like I am unworthy depart from me all right that is his response um so then Jesus says looks down to him and says do not be afraid do not be afraid you feel unworthy but I'm not leaving you do not be afraid um so when I first read this there's two things that really jumped out for me um, one is, is just thinking about when I first met Jesus, when I first truly saw Jesus. Um, and for me, that was when I was 15. And I was um, forced to go to camp by my parents. <laughs> and because I was a, a, have a slightly anxious personality, that was not an easy process. My mom can tell you about that later, probably, in different words. But um, <laughs> as a parent now, I can only imagine what that really looked like outside of my perception. But, um, but I was forced to go to camp when I was 15. And it was an overnight camp, and it was a place my sister had gone, and I knew about it, but I had no desire to go. And it was because it was unknown. I didn't know anybody going. I didn't have any friends. There were all these reasons why I was petrified to go to this camp. But my parents did not let up on this. Like, I had to go. I believe getting there involved my best friend coming with us and me bawling for, like, the last 15 minutes before camp. No joke. My poor best friend, who was apparently fine and drove back home with my parents (laughs) and left me at camp. But um, it was I did not want to go. I was so afraid to go to camp that year. And then I vividly remember sometime during the week, it it was a a Christian camp, and I remember being in what we called the tabernacle, which is where we held, um, you know, meetings in the morning and at night. And I, I remember feeling God's presence. And I can't describe it any more than that. That was how God met me first, is that I, he surrounded me with his presence to the point where I had no doubt. I was like, I know you are real. Now, I've obviously had a whole journey since then of what that means um, on a deeper level, but in that moment, that was what, how I needed God to meet me. Um, this was how Peter needed God to meet him. You know, I feel like when God shows up in our lives, he, he speaks to us and touches us in the way that we need, based on who we are. Other people are, are very intellectually minded, and God might meet them in a different way. Um, other people are, are very physical people, and God might meet them in a different way. God meets us how we need. And that presence and that feeling I will never forget, as, as much as I've, I've worked through doubts and challenges and questions 
um, you know, throughout the rest of my life. Secondly, I want to look at Peter's reaction a little bit. Um, earlier in Luke, okay, we already talked about that. We, um, so P- Jesus isn't new to Peter. Peter has seen Jesus work. Um, Peter has seen him heal and, and teach and clearly was drawn to him. Um, and yet, when he is confronted with I guess, I guess I'll say with, with the real power of God uh, through Jesus, he, his first instinct is, I'm not good enough. I am not good enough. And, um, and he, well, this is me reading, so this is not the Bible now. But <laughs> I, I think I feel, when I feel not good enough, I want to crawl in a hole and hide and go away somewhere and pretend nothing exists and the world is not here. I want to hide. And I... And I so I don't know that that was Peter, but that's how I react there. When I feel uncertain, inadequate, I get just bogged down with my own fear, um, I want to hide. Um, Peter was so overwhelmed that I'm going to say he had um, too low a view of himself. And this is our first kind of trap that we can get in, stuck in, is we can have too low a view of ourselves when we are confronted with Jesus' presence in our lives. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I can't, whatever. The reality is God created you. And, and if we believe God is who he says he is in the Bible, he created you with purpose and reason and created you with all the parts of who we are that we talked about earlier. Um, and we need to be careful to not have too low a view of ourselves that we forget that. Um, so that's kind of our first point here. All right, our second one, we're going to look at um, Mark chapter 14. And I think Joy has that. So if you're in your Bible, you go to Mark chapter 14. Jesus told them, For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, Even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the others said the same. And then I guess fast forward. Yeah, we're fast forwarding to verse 66. Um, While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, that, that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. So here we see um, a different side of Peter. 
And I will note these are not chronological <laughs> events in Peter's life. So um, I don't want to send the wrong impression there. But we now see, rather than Peter having too low a view of himself and just falling before Jesus unworthy, saying he's worthless and, he, and for, telling God to go away from him, we see Peter um, struggling with too high a view of himself. So high a view that he denied that he could deny his connection to Jesus. He was stuck in... Um, well, maybe I'll reflect on myself in this regard. When I am here, I am stuck in my own pride, my own selfishness, my own view of what I think is right, my own view of what I think should happen. I have too high a view of myself. And when I am that focused on myself, um, I get stuck. This is where I think, and we don't have time to go into this, but if we look at the messages our culture sends to us about ourselves and who we are, we get stuck here. There are, I mean, we mentioned self-help books. It was like, we live in an era of self-help books. We live in a time that emphasizes, you know, as a, as a child counselor right now, I read a lot of research and articles and things about child development. Um, I read so much on building confidence. How do we build confidence and build people up? And, um, you know, if you go to an exercise class, they say, dig deep, you know, <coughs> which is true. We need to, but when the only focus is looking inward to ourselves and finding in ourselves the uh, motivation and drive, if that's the only focus, I don't know about you, but that is going to get me depressed fast. If I only look at myself in that regard, that is when I get the most discouraged <laughs> because I know my heart and I know my struggles and I know my pitfalls and that to me is, is more disturbing than a lot of other things. Um, now, this doesn't, so, so we've got a balance here, right? We've got too high a view of ourselves, and we've got too low a view of ourselves. As we think about um, too high a view of ourselves, I just, I, I want to think about um, the role of self-awareness. Peter was not self-aware enough to connect that he had the capacity to deny Christ, that he had that in him. The reality is, we all, I, I've used this phrase a number of times in the past few years, we all are one step or one bad decision away from a snowball of life blowing up in our face. Every single one of us. And if we deny that, we are lying to ourselves and, and we are actually thinking too highly of ourselves. Because my goodness, I, I, I am one bad choice away. I am one text message. I am one email. I am one comment. I am one, you know interaction, I am one step away from my life blowing up. We all have that capacity. Um, so there's a role of self-awareness to realize what our struggles are, and they're going to be different for each of us. Where are our pitfalls? You know, what do we so highly value that we get stuck? Um, all right, for the sake of time, I'm going to leave that at that, but I'm going to read you one quote. St. Augustine wrote, How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? Then he prayed, Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. So this was back in the 1500s, or, you know, a long time ago. Um, Grant, O Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. When we have too high of our, a view of ourselves and we do not have a level of self-awareness in our lives, um, 
that is going to be a barrier to knowing God and to fully opening ourselves up to who God um, is in the world and, and in ourselves. Um, all right, jumping ahead. We have one more passage, Elaine. We are looking at Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Elaine is going to read this for us. Matthew 14. Matthew 14, verse 22 to 31. Immediately Jesus' naked disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to a Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You little faith, he said, why did you doubt? We are left with too high a view of ourselves, too low a view of ourselves. We don't want either extreme. You know, we need to balance here somewhere. We're kind of, I picture it like a seesaw. This passage, to me, brings that balance a little bit. Now, a lot of times when I've heard people talk about this passage, I, I have heard, I don't know about you, the focus on um, the fact that Peter fell in the water. And if he just had more faith, and if he didn't doubt, he would have kept walking on that lake and ended up wherever, I don't really know, um, but he would have kept walking on the water. Um, as I read this in thinking about today, I thought about the difference. So we hear that Peter and all the disciples that were in the boat were struck with fear. They were, like I picture this, like frozen with fear. Fight or flight, you are stuck in fear. What does everybody else do? Ah, they stay stuck in fear, right? Peter is the only one that takes a step out of that boat. So Peter actually um, takes a step out of the boat, focuses on Jesus, and walks on the water. He walked on water. So he, nobody else did. Everyone else was still paralyzed with fear in the boat. Peter actually took a step of faith and did something. Um, now then he doubted and he fell. We are fallen, broken human beings. We are going to fall. Now, I believe God is a God of miracles um, and that God can do anything. I also believe, that, you know, I believe we should pray boldly that we are 
um, saved from certain struggles and that certain illnesses go away and that certain difficulties end. I also am such a firm believer that we pray that saying, God, you have the power to do this, but if you don't, give me courage in the moment because we don't understand the full plans of God. Here, Peter falls. He falls in the water and Jesus says, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? But what does Jesus do? He reaches his hand down and he lifts Peter up. What does Peter do? He yells, God, save me! Like, that's what I picture it. I, this is, there is a storm going on, and Peter is walking on stormy waves. I, I hear that really frantic in myself. I think that's where our balance comes in, right? So we're not going to have too low a view of ourselves because God created us amazing. We're not going to have too high a view of ourselves because then we're trying to be God, and we're not good at it. The balance in the middle is that we try, and when we fail, we say, God, save me. And God reaches down and takes our hand and pulls us up. That is, that is how I feel like we confront our fear and our self-doubt, and we do this on a daily basis. Um, you know, in conclusion, I just... Um, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of next steps. You have that paper there. I, a few next steps pop in my mind as I think about this, as I think about where all of us may fall in this spectrum. Um, if you take nothing else away from this morning, I want you to take away that we have to look to God first. I want you um, to remember that when we look too much at ourselves at all, we get stuck in ourselves. And in, for me, that's kind of a scary place. Um, now, it's a redeemed place because God has entered it. And it is also a beautiful place, but if I'm trying to do it on my own, it is a scary place. Um, I want to encourage you to do a couple of things. One, pray a lot. Pray by yourself. Pray with other people. Invite God's presence into this thought for you. Um, pray and ask God what is next for you. Um, and be open to what that is. And be ready for you to respond and say, God, I'm not worthy. I don't want to. Be ready for that because it might happen. And if you know it's going to happen, then you can plan for it, right? See, that's the trick. If you know it's going to happen, you can plan for it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't try to be God anymore. Yes, I will. Um, but, but when I do, <laughs> I will try to rein myself back. Um, we're, we're not created to live life alone. Um, we are created to live in community. We are created for connection. In my life, the way I have come to a place where I, I, I don't know, not that I, I don't want to say, I actually feel like the whole title of this is a little misleading. Journey through fear and self-doubt makes it feel like there's something on the other side. I'm not on the other side. Like, I am thick in the middle. Um, but being thick in the middle, people in my life that can speak into that and that I can find encouragement from, get me out of my own head. Get me out of my own head. And without that, I honestly don't know where I'd be. So finding, if you are not connected to community, pray for that. Pray for where God would lead you. I had no small group a few years ago because my schedule changed and I couldn't come on Wednesday morning anymore. And for two years, I struggled to figure it out. I prayed, God, I need something. I can't, I can't do this this way. And through a random set of circumstances, I have a few women that I meet with at a random time that probably no one else could meet. You know, and it, God 
provided for that when I lifted it up to him. Um, I also want to encourage you to be vulnerable. Now, this is a tough one, and we, oh, I wish we had more time to go into this. Um, be vulnerable. If we are looking at all these parts of ourselves, if we are looking at that, part of self-awareness is, uh, at least for me, has been saying, you know what, I don't have it all together, and I can be honest about that. I don't know all the answers, and I can be honest about that. That is not something I've been able to do for a lot of my life. Um, so be vulnerable in whatever that means. And I'm going to leave that to God to direct in your life what that looks like. For me, that was standing up here today. For me, that was having John look over this talk, because he does this kind of thing all the time, but I don't. Even though he's my husband, and I love him, and I know he loves me, it was vulnerable to say, can you look at this and tell me if I'm missing anything? Like, that was vulnerable. Um, for me this year, I was telling a friend this the other day, it, this year it might be um, acting before I think, which is counterintuitive and I wouldn't recommend for everybody. But for me, I think too much and then I don't take a step out of the boat. That's my problem. Other people step too fast. <laughs> so wherever you fall on that, but for me, that's what being vulnerable might mean this year. And she promised she'd reel me back in if I got in trouble and I got a little too out of control with my acting before I think, so <laughs> I have accountability there. Um, I also want us to think about being vulnerable as in community and what that would look like. Um, because as women, our, our Bible study, our small group did a study this fall and one of the chapters, it was about true you, being our true selves. One of the chapters was comrades or competitors. It was written for women and it just highlighted the fact that as women, we can um, be fierce competitors, right? We can be threatened by each other. We compare ourselves to each other. We can see each other as competitors. Or what if in the church, in this church, in this community of women, we chose to see each other as comrades, as, as these authors put it. And we chose to say, wow, God has gifted me this way, but that I don't have a clue. I want to encourage you to go do that. What if we truly looked at each other as comrades in this journey of faith and life that we all get stuck in um, and really truly encouraged each other in those next steps rather than feeling um, worried that someone else is going to think we're stupid or someone else is going to think we don't, you know, we're not good at something. What if we had that attitude? I think that comes with building our own self-awareness and looking at these parts of ourselves. Um, and that's the last thing I'd like to encourage you to do is just pray for, um, pray for what part of yourself God, you may be devaluing or um, over-prioritizing, it's going to be different for everybody. For me, it was my emotional self that I just denied. For you, it might be something else. So look at those parts of us, body, soul, mind, and spirit. That is, how, that is our greatest command, um, to love the Lord our God with all those parts of ourselves. Um, so in closing, um, hear the words of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Thank you.